Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sample Size, the only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And I'm your other host, Wildcard Cameron. So, Sam, coronavirus is a thing, right? Yep, that's still a thing, and we're going to talk about it. Ah, perfect. Perfect (laughs) intro. I did it. Freaking nailed it over here. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Who knew a global pandemic would continue to be running news over a year later? Mm. Wait a second. Do you think people have been intentionally fighting efforts to fight the coronavirus to make sure it's a running news story so they have something to talk about because there's no way there's 24 hours worth of news every day of the year? I would agree with that, except that I've seen what news stories are covered when there aren't any news stories and somehow they still find a way. So I don't I don't think they're continuing the pandemic for that. I don't know. I feel like we just blew the lid off some sort of cabal. I'm going to have to go on some forums and people uh, say. All right. While I lose Cameron to that. Yes, everyone. We're doing another coronavirus episode. It's been overdue because the coronavirus still happens. <laughs> so even if I take a like five episode break, you know, we're going to come back to it. And we're really coming back to it because unfortunately, the Delta variant has been sweeping through the U.S. and the rest of the world and is just now wild. It's the predominant variant of COVID infections. So infections are spiking and we got stuff to talk about. And people say airlines aren't recovering. <laughs> that is a thing. <laughs> Wait. That was so random. No, because the Delta variant. Delta is an airline. <gasps> oh, my so God. So many layers of humor. No. You're welcome. How did I not get you that? You got got. Honestly, oh. I'm mad I made that joke. I'm going to not make any more jokes for the rest of this episode because of how bad I'm doing. <laughs> so, yes, we're going to talk about more COVID news. It's going to be related to the Delta variant. And I want to mention before I reveal the actual subject of our talk that... We previously discussed COVID variants in episode 23 and the Delta variant, which was the Indian variant at the time, in episode 28. I have a lot of questions when they name things where they like say it's the Indian variant. And so people are going to say like, oh, the Indian variant. So Indians did this to us. But it's like the Spanish flu from like the last 100 years ago, last pandemic, where like, no, Spain just happened to be the only people talking about the fact that this very real pandemic was killing people, right? Well, and that's really why they named it the Delta variant. I mean, if you go back to the variant episode, I think I covered the variant names were like ridiculously long. It'd be like B.01. I don't know, something, something. It was it was some kind of nomenclature, but it made no sense. So people just generally named it after where it was first discovered. So you had the UK variant, you had the Indian variant, you had the South African variant. But now they're like, okay, that's ridiculous. We're not going to name it by countries. Pretty sure in the order in which the variants were discovered. So I think you have like going through the Greek alphabet. That's my theory. So so when we get to Omega, we're screwed. Yes. (laughs) So now it's the Delta variant. But I want to point out because I hate how much we call things, Cameron. Like, I hate how good we are predicting things. Like, we did our episode about India and how things were bad there. And guess what? Now the Delta variant's everywhere. It's almost like the world will just do what you expected it to because people are individually hard to predict. But at scale, they are not. And that's why the foundation by Isaac Asimov was always right. No, I said I'd do no more jokes, but I am a wild card. Here's, (laughs) Here's the one joke I would like to definitely make. John Oliver, I know you are listening to this podcast. You've literally ripped off your last three episodes of your show, came straight from this podcast. (laughs) I just want you to know, we like you, you do a great job, but you have to credit us in the episode. It's not, (laughs) you have to credit sample size show 
in the episode and give us a shout out. We're trying to grow our fan base. <laughs> yes, please. Last week tonight. Just just give us a shout out. Give us a little credit in the corner. It's fine. It's fine. You can use our stuff. Yeah. Just, just like one icon. Okay. So for today's episode, we're going to focus again on vaccines. It's going to be talking about how good are they against the Delta variant and do we need boosters? So how good are they? <laughs> Let's find out. Yes. <laughs> do they know things? Let's find out. <laughs> so first... Let's go over how good are the COVID vaccines doing. And if you look at the U.S., they're doing pretty great. So I'm sure everyone has read or heard a headline about how the majority of COVID cases in the U.S. are among those unvaccinated, especially hospitalizations and deaths. But let's actually dive in on that. So back in June, the Associated Press wrote an article about an analysis they did of May infections from data from the CDC. They found that breakthrough infections in fully vaccinated people accounted for fewer than 1,200 of the more than 107,000 COVID-19 hospitalizations, which is about 1.1%. And only about 150 of the more than 18,000 COVID deaths in May were in fully vaccinated people, which is about 0.8% or five deaths per a day on average. So, yeah, it sounds like so you said people who had the vaccine died. My question is, did they die of coronavirus or is their death being conflated with coronavirus? Well, they certainly died and tested positive for coronavirus. So it can get into a little gray area of then a debate of was that really a death caused by COVID or was there some comorbidity attached or et cetera, et cetera. So you can kind of get into the weeds, but just for the sake of argument, yes, it was from coronavirus. Because the thing I do want to get into ways about is lots of people are dying from coronavirus without getting infected because there's so many people in hospitals that people who would get sick from like literally any other disease can't go to a hospital because the hospital's full. And suddenly, you know, when time is not on your side, and you have to figure out where you're going to go to get medical aid. Oh, yes, that's that's a completely different issue. And especially now in recent times, I mean, I want to point out this study was from May, but now in the U.S., yes, some hospitals are completely overrun. So that is a whole different issue to factor into things of was the true death toll from COVID? You'd have to include those other factors of what about all the things that couldn't be done because this pandemic was happening? So of the numbers you mentioned, all those people died and tested positive for COVID during their admission or like I guess when they were checked for their symptoms? Yes. Okay. That's an important distinction. <laughs> I also want to point out that the CDC did say that they have not done this analysis because the data has limitations. Like only 45 states report breakthrough infections. But even so, this still supports that those who are hospitalized and dying from COVID are mostly those who are unvaccinated. And this was back in May. <laughs> so then there's been a later study that was done by the Kaiser Family Foundation, and it paints an even better picture about vaccine effectiveness in the U.S. So their report released July 30th found that of the 25 states that report breakthrough infections, report it well enough for them to analyze them, the rate of breakthrough infections was below 1%, and over 9 in 10 COVID cases, hospitalizations, and death occurred among people who were unvaccinated or not fully vaccinated. So I think the thing you're trying to tell me is being vaccinated is a great way to make sure that at least you have the highest probability of not dying to COVID. Yes, and it's a very good probability. I mean, 
the rate of breakthrough infections being below 1%, like that's that's crazy low. Mm-hmm. Especially when you look at how much like regular infections are. Yeah. So all of what I'm saying is just further support. Yes, the vaccines are doing well compared to not being vaccinated. Like clearly the winner in the vaccinated versus unvaccinated is get vaccinated. But the other huge thing is that the vaccine is doing well also against variants, which is something people are I don't know how surprised people are supposed to be about that, but I was surprised to see that. Like, I I always assumed your body was very one to one, like this exact virus over here. If you get a slightly different version of it, your body won't know what to do. (laughs) It turns out vaccines very effective for fighting all sorts of viruses. It kind of goes into how vaccines are made and that it isn't really just like this is weird to think, you know, a virus has a lot of little bits on it. And so they're not going to use a ridiculously super tiny amount of mRNA. Like they're going (laughs) to use a longer strand if they're able to. So when variants come along, you know, maybe there's a base pair or two that are different and like a little bit different. But if it's enough of a similarity, then your antibodies can still recognize it. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Now, let me move on to my last study supporting vaccine effectiveness in the U.S. Recently, the CDC released a report they did looking at the COVID outbreak in Mesa County, Colorado. So Mesa County has been hit hard by the Delta variant, having higher rates of infection than the rest of Colorado. So the CDC wanted to study how effective were the vaccines in this area of high incidence because some of the other studies mentioned before. It was just kind of a general look at the United States. It wasn't looking at a very specific area where a surge in cases is happening. So they found that from April 27th to June 6th, incidents, ICU admissions, and COVID-19 case fatality ratios were significantly higher in Mesa County, and also that cases in persons who were fully vaccinated were significantly higher compared to other Colorado counties. So they estimated that the vaccine effectiveness was 78% in Mesa County and 89% in the rest of Colorado during this period. And basically, the CDC concluded that even in areas with high rates of the Delta variant, that being vaccinated is still the best prevention strategy and also encourage combining that with other measures like mask wearing. So if I can understand everything you said, vaccine good, mask wearing good, that's it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Okay, I got it. I managed to instill the important information. (laughs) All right. So, like, through all the things I've just spewed at you, you kind of can see that vaccines have been shown to be very effective in the U.S. But what about other countries? Yes, everyone knows that the French biology is very different from the American biology. (laughs) They're distinctly different species of human. Oh, my God. All right. So now let's move on to Israel, because it's been painting a different story about how well the vaccines are doing, particularly the Pfizer vaccine, which I do want to add that the Pfizer vaccine in the U.S. got full FDA approval recently on August 23rd, and its new name is Comirnaty. Is that like a trick? Is that like a trick to get people to take it and be like, oh, I no, I, I wouldn't take Pfizer like a sheeple. I would take Comirnaty. <laughs> I think I think just when you get like full approval and I don't know the ability to market things you can now have a fancy name. <laughs> so the Pfizer vaccine wasn't fancy enough for you? I mean, that was who, the company. Who are, who but... are these white collar vaccine <laughs> namers? They're ivory tower. <laughs> 
All right. I I just wanted to point that out. I'm going to still call it the Pfizer vaccine because that's easier to, to say than yeah, Comirnaty. I'm call it that. <laughs> okay. So mid-July, Israel's health ministry released a report showing that the Pfizer vaccine was only 64% effective at preventing symptomatic infection from the surging Delta variant. Now, this news was shocking since other studies showed higher effectiveness rates, particularly one done in the UK that showed the Pfizer vaccine was 88% effective against symptomatic disease. And then later at the end of July, Israel released another report showing that the vaccine was only 39% effective. However, this report also said the Pfizer vaccine was 88% effective at preventing hospitalization and 91% against severe illness. So what's going on here? Like, is the Pfizer vaccine not as effective as we thought, or is it something else? Are they getting both doses? Did they forget to get both doses? You have to get both doses. <laughs> oh, no, they're they're definitely getting both doses. I will, <laughs> I will cover that later, but that is not the issue. So there are really several things happening here. So we're going to go through three reasons why the Israel data is showing this way, because I don't know about you. I've just been hearing a bunch and seeing a bunch of headlines about, oh, no, what's happening in Israel? What what does this mean? What is this a sign to come? Et cetera, et cetera. What I find very confusing is like if the fact that it's happening specifically in one country doesn't imply it's a problem with the vaccine. It's a problem with the country because hmm. there's a lot of countries that are using the exact same vaccines and getting different results. So that country is probably doing something very specific. Yes, actually. So let's get into that. First, I want to talk about the base rate fallacy. So the base rate fallacy is an effect where people tend to ignore general information on prevalence in favor of information pertaining to a specific case instead of correctly considering both of them. So in this case, if you look at how many fully vaccinated people are being hospitalized of COVID compared with unvaccinated people or partially vaccinated people, It initially looks like the vaccine is doing horrible because there's a larger number of fully vaccinated people being hospitalized in Israel. But this can be misleading because it doesn't account for how many people in Israel are fully vaccinated, which is nearly 80 percent of people 12 and older. So after adjusting the numbers to be ratios out of the total vaccinated population, they then clearly show that the vaccine is performing well compared to not having a vaccine. So this fallacy has been showing up in a lot of countries with high vaccination rates, like Iceland, for example. And I do want to point out this fallacy doesn't really apply to vaccine effectiveness, which does account for the difference in the vaccinated and unvaccinated populations. But this base rate fallacy has still been popping up when people discuss Israel's case numbers, particularly on social media by those who don't believe in vaccines. I feel like it doesn't matter if it's Israel or not. Anyone anywhere on the planet who wants to refute vaccines will just find a way to take any of these numbers out of context. But yeah, I think the main thing you're trying to drive home is, of course, they're going to have more COVID cases and vaccinated people. Most of the people are vaccinated. So that's just a general like. It's not a surprise if I pull red marbles out of a bag full of red marbles. Yeah, exactly. And really, this base rate fallacy could work both ways. So it's this isn't an opportunity to be like, oh, how dare people who don't like vaccines commit this fallacy? You can actually apply this the opposite way. If you have an area that has very low vaccination rates, you can kind of make it seem like the vaccine is doing ridiculously well 
But it's really just because not that many people are vaccinated. Yeah. Like there's just going to be a bunch of edge cases you can't account for where they got vaccinated, but they could be immunocompromised in a way that doesn't allow them to be as effective at fighting it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So pretty much when you look at case numbers, you need to account for the total population and what that case number applies to. So look at rates. Don't really look at raw counts. That's that's the summary of this fallacy. And if someone's giving you raw counts in your newspaper, you throw that newspaper in the garbage. Yes. And also, why are you reading newspapers? <laughs> hey, support our local newspaper industry. There has to be a better way to support local news and not have to use paper. That's the problem I have is the paper. <laughs> you laughing at my jokes carries this podcast. Well, while you think of that mysterious way to not point paper, let's move on to the second reason the Israel data could be misleading. And that's Simpson's paradox. So Simpson's paradox is when you get misleading results from observational data if you don't account for some confounding factor. It shows up when two effects are both higher in one group and then both lower in another group. So not accounting for that group would nullify the effect. There's a great article by an epidemiologist, Dr. Jeffrey Morris, explaining this very clearly that will be in the show notes. But pertaining to Israel's vaccine effectiveness rate— At the time Dr. Morris looked at Israel's case numbers, the overall vaccine effectiveness against severe disease was 67.5%. But if you account for age, then that becomes 91.8% for those under 50 and 85.2% for those 50 and older. So that's because vaccination status and risk of severe COVID infection are both higher in the older age group. Oh, so old people should really get the vaccine is what I'm hearing. (laughs) I mean, yes. But the point is that the 60 percent number that was floating around is a bit misleading because it doesn't account for age. As soon as you accounted for age, the vaccine effectiveness against severe COVID was looking like a lot better. It was looking closer to, you know, the 93 percent that was initially given when Pfizer's vaccine trials were done. Yeah. And I mean, that could be for a whole range of reasons when you're that old. Things can start happening in your body and it's not as good at fighting off infections. This is my joke. Is it a joke? We'll find out. It is a joke, but I I don't think you're quite getting it. I don't think I am either. What I'm not getting is what the hell explains why old people are getting sick or are still getting sick despite having vaccines? No. See, this is the part you're missing. If you just measured vaccine effectiveness against severe disease in Israel, you looked at the entire population, okay, you would calculate that the vaccine effectiveness is 67.5%. But as soon as you break it down by age group, then it becomes those under 50 have a 91.8% effectiveness. And those 50 and older have an 85.2% effectiveness. So it's a paradox because as soon as you account for age, both of those effectiveness rates become higher than if you looked at the rates overall. Yeah. The overall average is like, what, 63, 60 something? 67.5%. Yeah. But it's weird because in both of the categories you just gave me, you think that like the average would be the average of those two percentages, but it's not. It's way lower. Yeah, and that's what makes this a paradox because, as you said, you wouldn't expect the other two age categories 
to be higher than the overall. Like, it's weird that as soon as you account for under 50 or above 50, you get 91.8% and 85.2%. But the reason this is happening is because age is associated with both vaccination status and risk of COVID infection. So if you think about it, older people are more likely to be vaccinated And this is true in Israel because they were on the priority list to get the vaccine early and because they knew that they were at a higher risk of COVID. So older people more likely to be vaccinated and are at a higher risk of getting COVID. Younger people less likely to be vaccinated, less of a risk of having COVID. So because you have those two things happening in opposite directions based on age, you get this paradox where you have to account for age when looking at these numbers. Okay, because that's the entire, I mean, that's a big point. It's like if people with vaccines are still getting it, but all the people who are vaccinated are old and more susceptible to it anyway, that's going to skew all the numbers because then you're going to look at the general population and think, oh, this statistic must apply to everyone and not just because it's mostly clustered in older people. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird thing that can happen where If you have a factor that's really strongly related to your numbers, you got to account for it or it's just going to skew things. See, this is what I hate about just general news reporting is I've not heard a single news outlet try to be that nuanced about what the hell this number is supposed to mean. Yes. And I mean, this information is from like a special science journal blog post in a way that this guy did because he is an epidemiologist and actually compute the numbers. So That's right, loyal listener. Sam's going deep into those statistical minds to get you those beautiful little rubies that you get to enjoy in your ears right now. So why don't you take the time to just pause the episode and go force it on someone else so that they can enjoy it too and come back and we'll finish this. And I just realized he's really like a professor of biostatistics, but, you know, that's still closely related. He gets paid to do a thing I can't comprehend. (laughs) That's what I'm taking away from this. And I do want to add that he does mention other factors that could affect the overall effectiveness rate, including differences in those who are immunocompromised and those who were previously infected and then later got vaccinated. And he mentions one more factor that could be going on in Israel is that people's immunity is probably waning over time. So not only did Israel vaccinate almost everyone in their country, they also vaccinated them early with those 65 plus getting vaccinated at the beginning of the year. So naturally, a person's immunity to a virus will wane over time. It can vary based on the virus and from person to person. It is a thing that after a while, your immune system will get rid of some of the antibodies it's developed, particularly if they're not being used. Getting back to COVID, both Moderna and Pfizer have said early on that people will most likely need a booster shot. And Israel's data is supporting that theory. So Israel released a report mid-August that showed that the Pfizer vaccine was less than 55% effective against severe disease and hospitalization for those 65 and older who were fully vaccinated in January. The conclusion they came to was the vaccine effectiveness had waned for this older population because they were vaccinated back in January, and so they need to get booster shots. That makes a lot of sense, especially because this is a weird case of, like, we don't know how effective the vaccines will be long term. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way we could have known how they would work in 5 years because 5 years ago this was not a problem the world was dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> the question here though is what do we I guess do about it, right? Cuz like do they need to do something special for the boosters or is it just go get another shot? 
as far as I know, it's just go get another shot. And actually, I believe Pfizer and Moderna have said before that the new booster would account for some of the new variants going on. Like they would add stuff extra into it so they become more effective against the variants. I'm not sure if they're selling it like that or not, because I want to add that Israel is already giving booster shots. (laughs) So I think they're just doing that based on Pfizer's like the supply of Pfizer's vaccine they had or a new order. But they're already doing that. They're giving people third shots. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's nice to see them have an active and immediate response to the problem. So that's that's pretty cool, because I remember hearing. A problem they were dealing with the whole time, which honestly everywhere around the world was, but it just felt a little weird considering they had postured themselves to be the first to get the vaccine, was there's a very orthodox minority of people, both Muslim and Jewish, in Israel who were really fighting getting the vaccine. Mm. So it's still interesting to hear, despite the fact you'd have such an orthodox minority of people who have still been pretty vocal, they're this effective at getting people not just to get vaccinated, but to also get the booster and pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. And it's it's a little bit of a complex topic. So I do want to say first, NIH director Dr. Francis Collins has already said that the U.S. is looking into this issue closely And Pfizer has already applied with the FDA to get its booster approved for anyone 16 and older. And the U.S. has already approved giving a booster shot to those with weakened immune systems. So I think the U.S. will be recommending booster shots for those who receive the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines later this year. Like, I think the writing's on the wall and that's what's going to happen. I will say the World Health Organization, particularly for Israel, Their stance is they don't think booster shots should be given yet because they think more of the world should be just initially vaccinated before we start giving people booster shots. I would agree with that, too. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, I tend to agree with that (laughs) because it doesn't sit well for me that Israel is able to give a good chunk of their population three shots where there are some countries that haven't even had access to a single dosage. It's really upsetting because we've done past episodes, shout out to past episodes, about how we, like the United States is just, what is going on? We have enough vaccines to vaccinate every human being in the United States and we have, our uptake has come to a crawl. Yeah. No one's getting the vaccine anymore. And it's insane to me that you would be in such a resource-rich country and actively work against yourself. I know. And that the WHO or the World Health Organization has, you know, amassed a ton of money to buy vaccines, to give to countries where they don't have the resources to get the vaccine themselves. But they're low on the priority list of getting those vaccines because all the rich companies got in first with their orders. You mean rich countries? What did I say? Companies. <laughs> I mean, that too. A lot of rich companies in rich countries. Somehow I'm not wrong. So it's just continuous frustration. Maybe we could just be better. In conclusion, it has been more than proven that the COVID vaccines are effective against COVID infection and effective against the Delta variant. So please, if you're able to, go and get a vaccine. Your risk of having severe COVID or being hospitalized from it will be drastically lower, and it'll help prevent you from spreading COVID to others. So really, for your own health and others, please get vaccinated. Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion everyone listening to this podcast has probably already been vaccinated. So first of all, kudos to you for A, being a listener, and B, being vaccinated. (laughs) But if you know people who are hesitant 
or base rate fallacy, the paradox, any other number of reasons to think the statistics are just not on their side, please go make them listen to this episode. However, like tie them to a chair, blast it through their speaker. <laughs> I don't care. But try to explain to them the science is very clear. Getting the vaccine is key to helping keep your loved ones safe. And so, you know, if you care about them and they're going to be difficult, well, be difficult back and make them listen to this and then get them to get a vaccine. Use this as a distraction to inject them with the vaccine. Oh, my oh, goodness. Layers. Ugh. And if instead of doing that possible crime, you want to just have some information to tell them, you can look in the show notes where all my sources are. And you can also find Scott's information in the show notes. Ideally, if Scott and I have done our jobs, you won't hear all the times I messed up on this episode. <laughs> Please follow us on social media at Sample Size Show. If you have any show ideas or want to reach out to us about anything, you can always reach out to us on Twitter or you can email us, samplesizeshow at gmail.com. Again, all that information also in the show notes. All right, everyone, please try to stay safe and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.